Hey, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Monday edition of The Michael Dukes Show. Hello this morning. A little, uh, little chilly little chilly today uh, here on the old uh, radio ranch, about 35 degrees uh, right now uh, here. And it was so nice yesterday. So nice. So nice yesterday for quite a bit of a time. Uh, actually, we were working on my son's car for a little bit there in the sun. And then as soon as the sun went away, ooh, baby, burr, 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 burr. Got a little chill. Got a little chilly. Uh, welcome to the program, and thanks for coming in and joining us today. It is um, uh, well, we got a full full boat, full boat today. What do, what do we got? So this morning we're going to be talking with uh, Kelly Shabaka, who's going to be joining us here in about fifteen minutes or so. We're going to be talking with her about the campaign and about the uh, Mitch McConnell angle, which. Uh, should, if you are a member of the Alaska Republican Party, you ought to be mad as hell. You ought to just be like a like a bee in your bonnet. You should be mad. Um, and we're going to talk with Kelly Shibaka about the attack ads and everything else that's going on right now. We'll, uh, we'll see what goes on with that. Um, and uh, we'll talk with her about these attacks and what, uh, what it means for the campaign. Uh, and we'll talk about her positions on a bunch of other stuff as well. That's all coming up here in about 15 minutes. In hour two of the program today, we're going to be talking with Heath Smith, who is uh, running for state Senate. Um, <clears throat> Heath will be running uh, down on the lower peninsula there against Gary Stevens. And we'll see what uh, we'll see what he has to say. Um, on the uh, uh, in hour two about what's happening in the state and kind of the condition and of everything that's going on and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what else is going on this week? Elijah Verhagen, Kelly Nash on Wednesday. On Thursday, we've got John Cunningham, and I have an open slot. That's the first time I've had an open slot in like four weeks. So we're still working on another guest in there. I'm hoping David Nelson will come in and visit with us. And then on Friday, well, I'm I'm trying to reschedule the folks from the Second Amendment Foundation. And, of course, <clears throat> Chris Chang will be joining us, Top Shot Chris, and uh, then Willie Waffle. So that's the, that's the week in review already. The week in review already. Uh, it's been nice here in the, uh, in the Matsu for most of the weekend, although Anchorage, oof, man, 80-mile-an-hour winds, 79, 78, 80-mile-an-hour winds 
all across through Anchorage, uh, South Anchorage, a Hillside, that whole area. They had power outages that had about 2,200 people without power, according to Chugach Electric. Um, and they were working hard all day Saturday. As of yesterday morning, they had about 170, 180 customers still without power. Um, but it was gusty and somebody said <clears throat> snowing in Anchorage yesterday. I didn't see the actual pictures or anything, but, uh, you know. And then I guess up in Fairbanks, it dumped a ton of snow in Fairbanks. So look at that. They made it all the way through. Um, <clears throat> um, you made it all the way through until October, October without any snow in Fairbanks. It's a unique and a fun, uh, uh, fun time. So anyway, um, good stuff. I think it will be, um, I think it'll be uh, fun. 44 degrees in Kodiak right now. So there you go. Um, <clears throat> all right. So what are some of the uh, big headlines? We were just talking about what's going. I want to know what's happening in Houston. Um, the city of Houston, which, you know, population just under 2,000 people. The city of Houston is just north of Wasilla. Um, you know, you probably know it for the fireworks and the fact that you can get good ice cream there. Those are the two of the two of the selling points. Two of the selling points of Houston is that you can get good ice cream and they've got fireworks stands there. Um, but something else has just happened and we're not quite sure what. On Friday, the mayor, the deputy mayor, and the city treasurer all resigned en masse. Uh, just all three sent their city clerk their letters of resignation on Friday. Virgie Thompson, the mayor, Deputy Mayor Lance Wilson, and Treasurer Sally Shug gave no reasons for their resignations, which went into effect immediately. Now, I don't know if it has anything to do with the election from October, which saw <clears throat> three people win uh, seats in that, uh, uh, in that uh, body or not. Um, Mer Mer uh, Virgie Thompson her, set, her seat was set to expire in October a year from now. Councilman Lance Wilson, who was also the deputy mayor, was not up for election, and his term doesn't expire until October of 2024. And nobody really knows what's happening. We're just like, what is going on? They're having a special meeting tonight uh, for swearing in of the new council members and for the council to try and select a new mayor from amongst its members. The question is, where will there be a quorum? No, nobody. I mean, I don't know what's happening in Houston, but it just it just goes to show you that politics, ooh, baby, not uh, not good stuff. Um, <clears throat> a get out the vote rally uh, at the Denina Convention Center yesterday was um, sparsely attended. There was a lot of press about this. There was a lot of. Uh, there was a lot of uh, big talk about what was going on. Um, the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they this was supposed to be a big uh, Patriot Freedom Pact was supposed to be putting this on. They're having a, they were having this big event. They were bringing in Sarah Palin and her uh, her boyfriend uh, Ron was it Ron Gay, right? That's the guy's name and um, uh, Sheriff. Uh, 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 what, what was his name? I've forgotten already. Sheriff David Clark, former sheriff of uh, Milwaukee County that was supposed to be speaking. And they had the room all set up for, 
well, a couple thousand folks and about 50 people showed up, which is weird. I, I, I don't know. <clears throat> Were people just, was it because it was a Sunday? Were people, are people just tired? Was it because of the wind? Was it, who knows at this point? Now, um, uh, uh, Shabaka was not going to attend. She'd already said that she had scheduling conflict going on. Um, but, um, yeah, just a bunch of people it just didn't show only 50 people showed up. There's some pictures. Uh, must has got some pictures. It's, um, it's uh, kind of low and slow, which is unfortunate, but that's, I guess that's where we're, we've got going on right now. Um, what else is happening? Um, in that regard, I mean, just the hits keep on a coming. I want to talk for a minute. Uh, Suzanne Downing actually wrote a piece for the Daily Caller, which is uh, which is a pretty good piece uh, that I want to talk about as well. Uh, and I guess, interestingly enough, um, uh, the show was mentioned uh, by the ADN. Uh, they talk about the reappearance of Charlie Pierce. Pierce is back on the trail. Yes. Yes. I mean, this is what it was. After all but disappearing from the campaign trail, Republican candidate for governor, Charlie Pierce, surprised event organizers by participating in the Homer Chamber of Commerce debate on Thursday with Bill Walker and Les Guerra. He voiced his support for holding a constitutional convention and cutting the state budget. He said he opposed taxation, calling it regressive, but said he wants to look at oil's Alaska tax credit structure. Guerra repeated his previously stated intention to collect $1.2 billion more per year from the oil companies. Walker has emphasized trying to capture as much as possible for Alaska from the trillion-dollar federal infrastructure bill and talked about the, the fiscal plan that he championed when he, uh, when he was a governor, which, of course, was a hot mess. In August, Pierce had announced he was resigning as mayor to focus on his gubernatorial campaign. Uh, of course, there was the whole harassment thing and his campaign's been all but silent. And I'm reading through this article yesterday and I'm like, all of a sudden I see my name. Conservative radio talk show host Michael Dukes, who had voiced support for Pierce, lamented the former mayor's disappearance from the campaign trail on his Tuesday radio show. He said Pierce at least had helped block the stocking horse of far-right Republican Chris Kirka, who finished fifth in the August primary. Kirka fruitlessly demanded Pierce drop out before the state's withdrawal deadline. Uh, Pierce's campaign did not respond to requests for comment Friday about his campaign's plan for the future. Uh, all four governors are scheduled to meet at Anchorage on Tuesday for a forum hosted by the Resource Development Council. So <clears throat> that was surprising to me, but also good news that Charlie is back in. Come on, Charlie. Stick with it. Stick with it. Don't, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Um, this piece by Suzanne Downing in the Daily Caller is uh, pretty good and hard-hitting. It's been sitting at the headlines for the entire weekend, apparently sitting at the top of the Daily Caller's uh, um, uh, headline board. Downing says McConnell eats his own in Alaska. Uh, campaign ads intensify in October as the election run uh, runway gets shorter but the money spent by Mitch McConnell and his Senate leadership fund to attack a fellow Republican should shock the sensibilities of all conservatives. And you should be. I mean, I again, this weekend, I was inundated with several barrages of ads with Kelly Shabaka <clears throat> where they sound by three seconds of her saying something, spin it in the most horrific way possible. 
and then just continue to try and harass her and uh, and lie about her, quite honestly. It's uh, shocking uh, to Alaskans indeed, she says. McConnell's determination to destroy another Republican reputation is driving Alaskans away from the Republican Party because they don't distinguish the difference between the state Republican Party and the national Republican establishment, which appears to be operating contrary to the wishes of Alaska conservatives. Um, And she goes on to talk about the differences between Murkowski and Chewbacca, not only on policy, but on where they came from. Um, and, uh, you know, what their backstory is. And uh, they says their personal stories are nearly as different as their politics. Murkowski is blue blood while Chewbacca comes from a hard scrabble working class with parents who once lived in a tent to get by. Murkowski is pro-abortion, pro-gun control, and anti-Trump. Chewbacca is pro-life, Second Amendment, and pro-Trump. But, she says, once McConnell untethered his $6.5 million to destroy Chewbacca, he decided to destroy her completely and to send the message to any other Republican who would even dare challenge Murkowski. The Senate Leadership Fund has repeatedly lied about Chewbacca. He's accused her of fraud and clipped and twisted her own words against her, sharing only fragments of her story. McConnell and the Senate Leadership Fund are lying to Alaska, and it's only early October. I can't wait to hear what trick McConnell pulls next. This is McConnell using Republican donor money improperly against a fellow Republican, a complete violation of the Reagan rule. This is also using Republican money against Alaska itself. His scorched earth war in Alaska seems like punishment against the Alaska Republican Party, which has endorsed Chewbacca, censured Murkowski, and asked Murkowski to lead the party and run under another political banner. It's clear that McConnell is conducting a proxy war against former President Trump and using Alaska as his political battlefield. McConnell is leaving carnage and destruction in his wake as he plays political games with the former president. If you haven't had a chance to read this article, it's a good read, and it's over there on uh, <clears throat> it's over there posted up on the facebook page right now on the website uh excuse me in the chat room there we go that's what i was looking for the chat room all right well we're coming up on it here in just a second uh we're going to get uh, kelly shivaka in the room and we're going to uh get things uh cooking on you ready to do this the michael duke show continues it is your home for common sense liberty-based free thinking radio let's um Let's get it going on. Let's do it. We'll be back with more here in just a moment. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, Kelly Shibaka. Uh, we're ready to go. We will see you on the other side. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Oh, oh, baby. Are you guys ready? How are you guys doing? Are you guys ready? Uh-huh. Um, boom back through this right here. 
Yeah, okay. All right. I'm waiting for uh, Kelly to join the uh, chat room here. Hold on a second. Well, guys. Yeah, that was a little shocking to I'm reading through the story and all of a sudden my name pops up. I was like, what? What? Um, that moment when the first sip of coffee hits the lips and Michael Duke's talking to me as it happens. <laughs> yeah, the spit took a beating yesterday, Greg. I was looking at the pictures. I was like, holy cow, man. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, do you think that Mitch and the National Republicans give a rat's butt about what the R's in Alaska think? No, I'm, 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 I'm crazy. I, 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 yeah. Um, 44 degrees Fahrenheit in Kodiak. Um, yeah, the water running over the edge of this, I mean, splashing up over the roadway on the spit with the cars getting drenched in it. All I could think of was take that thing right to the car wash right now and get all that salt water out of it. Um, uh, Houston, we have a problem. I just had to say, it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on in Houston. What a hot mess. What a hot mess. Um, Sarah has no love for, or Suzanne has no love for Sarah. Well, I mean, I, I just think it's interesting that, uh, in that, I mean, you should see the pictures that, that nobody should, and I don't know why maybe people are just frustrated. I don't know. Um, it's, uh, but it was, it was kind of astonishing to me that you get a place set up for 2000 people and boom, 50 people show up. I'm not sure exactly. It's just like, I don't know what happened in Houston. I don't know. I mean, are people just tired? Cause this has been a brutal election season. It really has, um, uh, on, you know, on both sides of the aisle. Uh, all right. Looks like, uh, Ms. Kelly is in the uh, green room ready to, uh, ready to talk with us. Let's see if we can get, uh, let's see if we can get uh, her up here and we'll check the, <clears throat> we'll check the audio and everything here. We got about uh, two minutes before we got to jump back onto the radio. Good morning, young lady. How are you? Good. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. Are you, uh, you all ready to rock and roll this morning? I am. Good to see you. You too. Oh, you sound like you've been running a little ragged. Get that. Get to get. <laughs> I've been knocking a lot of doors. And I think I'm losing my voice. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's OK. I understand how that happens. All right. Well, we're going to be jumping back to you here here in just a minute then. And we will uh, continue. So hold the line. I'll put you back in the green room and you can hold, hang out with us for just a second here. Uh, as we get ready. All right, folks, uh, Kelly Shabaka is our guest. Oh, that was what I was going to do. I was going to pull a couple of the audio blurbs out for Kelly to uh, respond to, but we already know what they are. We've seen them enough times. My God, if I had to hit skip one more time on my YouTube channel, I would just, uh, oh, so irritating, especially when you know the truth. See, that's the thing. If you don't know the truth, maybe you're just sick of the ad because you're sick of the ad. But if you know the truth, it becomes that much more irritating what they're doing. And especially the newest ones, which have got these little tiny three-second sound bites from Kelly with about half a sentence in it that looks like it's the most damning stuff uh, out there. It's just, oof, man. All right. Well, <clears throat> we all need to grab a cup of coffee and get ready to go. little monster energy drink little liquid IV, and, uh, and a big cup of joe. 
You ready to do it? Let's uh, let's get this thing started. Don't forget to like and share this video. Don't forget to like and share the show page. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. And yes, even on Twitch, make sure you follow. And you could even share it there from Twitch. That's how that's how good it is. Wow, that means that uh, we got to get back to it. Shall we do it? I think we shall. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's uh, let's do this thing right now. All right, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Jumping into it now with our guest, Kelly Shabaka, who is, of course, running for U.S. Senate. Senate. It's Monday. U.S. Senate uh, for the uh, state of Alaska. And she's facing off against, of course, uh, Lisa Murkowski. Kelly Chivaka joins us this morning to discuss her candidacy, the attacks by the SLF and more. Good morning, Kelly. How are you this morning? Good. How are you? You know, it's Monday and that's about as much as I can't even speak this morning. Apparently that's part of my problem. So, um, you know, hey, we're uh, we were just talking about this, um, uh, you know, every night every day every weekend whenever i'm trying to watch a little youtube or do something on uh on social media or something i see yet another ad from the senate leadership fund on kelly shabaka um and uh you must be doing something right because man they are absolutely coming after you hammer and tong so i guess first things first um um, hi, Kelly. I guess that's the first thing. First things first. Uh, we'll get you going. Um, but I want to let you have as much time as possible to try and um, talk about this narrative that they keep pushing out there, because I know it's not true. Um, you've d- I've watched your discussions on why it's not true, but I want the listeners to know. So, Kelly Shibaka, you've been accused of going jogging on company time. You've been accused of of, uh, you know, making Alaskans pay for your move and then just leaving without repaying a dime after two years um, and everything else. I want you to have a chance to kind of crack back at some of this stuff, um, because, you know, when you tell the best lies are the ones that are are like truths, right? They're based in a truth, but then you spin it. And that's what I think we're seeing here. And uh, and I want to give you a chance to kind of counteract some of this stuff. Sure. <clears throat> so I'll start with the. Uh the audit of the hours up front and where the story ends. So the story ends with a complete exoneration. Here's a photo of the exoneration letter. I'll read it to you. I thought about running out and grabbing it, but I didn't have time. No, that's okay. So this is from the chief management officer of the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. This is the person who runs the agency is the right-hand person to the director of national intelligence. He was the adjudication officer in this case. It says reference national reconnaissance office, office of inspector general report of investigation, false claims of time and attendance abuse. As a result of my review of the reference document and all your input, I consider the matter related to the allegations of time and attendance abuse to be closed. This letter will be retained on file in the office of employment resource, employee resources officer, with the mentioned documentation, signed by the Chief Management Officer, August 24th, 2011. 
And totally this, exonerated. This is in regards to the 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 thing that you did thirty five or thirty eight thousand dollars of time that, that of misallocated time that you were basically off screwing around instead of working. Exactly. So the backstory is I was in a position of holding some inspector general employees accountable. And often when I'm in the position of auditing and investigating employees, they will turn around and accuse me of something. This was not the first federal investigation done against me. I have been exonerated every single time. And in this case, these employees allege that I committed time and attendance fraud. So there was a big investigation done. The only problem is in this case, the investigators were so determined to catch me doing something wrong that they decided to only look at one side of the case they never, ever looked at my evidence proving that I worked all those hours, ever. <laughs> they just decided not to look at any of the exculpatory evidence. And so when the report was written that the Senate Leadership Fund talks about that says she likely did something, they only are looking at one side of the case, which was completely unfair, like a complete lack of due process of law, right? Right, right. So when it goes forward to the adjudication officer, I presented the other side of the story. And that's what he concluded. He's like, you obviously worked all these hours and case is closed. What is extremely amusing to me about the ad, which is why we're pressing forward with pursuing some kind of legal action. We're talking to lawyers right now. When they say she got paid to do um, some kind of working out, even though I showed that I worked all these hours in the federal government, it's actually legal to get paid to do working out. It's called fit time and right. they pay you three hours a week, up to three hours a week for you to do some sort of exercise because they've shown that if their employees are physically fit, they take a lot less sick leave and it costs the government less money. Right. Part so of it's their... actually completely legal for Part employees of... in the federal government to get paid to work out. But that's not what the case was actually about. And so the whole the whole ad is a complete lie. And the case was completely cleared. And I just read you the exoneration memo. Right. So. You'll be hearing more about this, I'm sure, and I'm I am hoping most and if uh, I would trust many of all Alaskans are not duped by Mitch McConnell and the DC insiders and Lisa Murkowski's money behind this ad because she also donated towards this. Right. Well, and what really kills me is that the latest versions have all got these little sound bites of you basically saying that they were coming after you or attacking you. And, and it's very obvious it's like half a sentence. It's it's obvious that it's like clipped out of something right in the middle. There's no you know precursor or anything else. And again, using your own words twisted in a three or four second soundbite to try and make it sound as bad as possible. Yeah, they just pulled a sentence of me describing what the report said. And then and they cut it before I say, and this is how the story ends. But that's what we can expect from the DC machine. They're obviously so desperate to keep this 50-year Murkowski monarchy going that they'll do anything. And this entire um, Lisa Murkowski establishment is built on lies. Her entire campaign is built on lies. And this is just more of it. You know, she was paying to run ads in Alaska saying she supports the Second Amendment while she was voting for Biden's gun control bill and red flag laws. That's, that is how deceptive this entire campaign has been. Right. Um, she says she supports our energy industry while she puts in place with a single vote, a single tie-breaking vote, the person she knows is going to push Biden's energy annihilating agenda. And here we are 19 months later with oil prices, you know, our gas prices, excuse me, through the roof, our oil industry shut down 
and us continuing to deal with Putin at center stage of the energy crisis throughout the world. Yeah. Um, this was all, it all ties back to decisions Lisa Murkowski has made. <clears throat> so this entire campaign, I mean, we talk about the infrastructure bill also. She campaigns on how this is a success. And yet the main cause that Dan Sullivan is taking up right now in the Senate is trying to redeem any money we would get from the infrastructure bill because he says it was a bait and switch. It was the climate change agenda pushed through under the guise of infrastructure. But now the Biden administration regulations are so impossible. He, he said, we're lucky if we're going to get a dollar of infrastructure money. So he put forward a new legislative action to try and save the infrastructure bill. Well, guess who co-signed it? Lisa Murkowski. So admitting that her infrastructure bill that she wrote is a complete failure. And yet she's she's campaigning on how much money we're going to supposedly get, knowing that we're not going to get it. Right. Um, and these ads from Senate Leadership Fund that her money has gone towards as well, also just a complete lie. So on the relocation, for example, um, moving my massive, massive well, family. Let me like let me set the family. let me set the stage for this just so that folks know before you jump into the details. Oh, sure. Because I mean, for those of you who don't have TV or digital or not watching somebody in the chat room said, "I don't have a TV and I don't watch YouTube." Well, you're a very small fraction because there's a huge amount of people who have TVs and watch YouTube. They're going on and on about how it cost eighty thousand dollars to move Kelly from Washington D.C. and her family up to Alaska, and that how she never paid it. Was on the taxpayer's dime, and she never paid a dollar of it back. Now, the way the the law is written, you have to if you if you quit within two years, then yes, you have to pay a portion of it back. But she resigned like two years plus a handful of days afterwards. So, I mean, she so she's in it, right? Uh, so that's the thing. I mean, is it's not two years and however many days we want. It's two years. But I want I want you to go ahead and set it up. I just wanted to get the setup in there so people know. What happened? And I know that there's a huge backstory to this as well. Right. Well, they say it's two years and a handful of days, but I'm fairly confident that I moved in January because I was here in January for the start of session. And I'm also fairly confident that I resigned at the end of March when I started my campaign. So it's more than a handful of days, especially when you're talking winter days. But what happened is when I called and said, okay, we're relocating, they said, you have to go out and find bids from the lowest cost bidder. And I said, you don't have vetted moving companies. Moving fraud is the most common fraud in the country, even more than identity theft. No, you have to go find them and you have to use the lowest cost bidder no matter what. Well, that's likely going to result in fraud, I said. Doesn't matter. That's state law. Okay. You guys can see where the story goes. Multiple times we entered into contracts with movers the movers got the money, the stuff didn't get moved. So you have to start another contract. And so the state starts losing money, which is a predictable outcome given the law the state had on the books at the time in the process. Eventually all the stuff gets moved, including a police attended raid on a warehouse back east in order to make this happen. We finally were able to use a reputable Alaska moving company to get it done. The entire time, since my background is in exposing waste, fraud, and abuse, I documented all these incidents and I referred all the breaches of contract over to the attorney general for them to investigate. Right. And so as far as I know, they've recovered the costs. The consumer protection cases though are all confidential. Right. That's also a matter of law. So they're not able to disclose what's happened with that case. But that's the story with the relocation. Now, when I became commissioner and I oversaw contracting, I changed how we do contracting in the state of Alaska. 
so that there would be safety measures taken to prevent these kind of breaches and losses in the future. That's how the story ends. Well, and at one point, I, I guess part of the story that you didn't say is that at one point, your stuff had been moved into a warehouse and then was basically held hostage. If you want your stuff back, That's right. you got, you got to pay X number of money. If you want it back, we have all your stuff in a warehouse. Have a nice day. It, it, it was like a Liam Neeson movie, but without a kid. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you, it was, it was held hostage for what, six months and includes my grandpa's paintings, my, my Norwegian grandma who served in the Norwegian underground rescuing Jews out of Norway when Hitler came in, all the things she gave me as a little girl, all yeah, all those things disappeared as part of this this move. You were finally we able, had to do finally yeah, able to track it down. on a warehouse in order to get it back. That's we it. got it. Yeah, yeah, documented it all, gave it to the attorney general. Um, I had even said, you know, a letter is needs to be written to this company, coordinate with this attorney general. I basically mapped out the the map of what to do for the case to get all the money back right. because. You know, that's my job, investigating fraud. And the law says, again, that if you are moved by the state and your move is paid for and you leave within two, within two years, you have to pay a portion, a part of it or all of it back. Um, but this was obviously 12, 14, or a two or three months beyond that. And yet Correct. this is the lie that they tell. I mean, how can you get away with actually just blatantly lying in that regard? I mean, it's just it blows my mind. Well, the other thing that's a lie in it, Michael, is um, when's the last time any of us paid taxes to the state? So yeah, they're sitting yeah. there saying I ripped off Alaska's taxpayers. And yet we all know that's not how the state budget works. And so you can tell that this is all outside dark money being spent on behalf of Lisa Murkowski. And they got all their facts wrong. And that's one of the reasons why right now we're working with lawyers on it. Part of what they know is the legal side of the house uh, works a lot slower than advertising does. It's right. easy to throw an ad up and have it run for several weeks before you can do anything legally. Right. And the bar for slandering public officials or people who are running in politics, it's just a lot lower than it is for non-public officials. Yeah. And so proving that is harder. But in this case, it's not. I have an exoneration letter. I, all the facts in the move thing are wrong. Um, this is slander through and through. And there is an easy legal action here. And we know that there was a case that just recently came out. Unfortunately, it was for the 2020 election. That's how slow the legal process moves that found some ads guilty of slander for a politician that ran in 2020. So we do have firm legal standing that we can use to come after them. And I'll start pursuing it. Kelly Chewbacca is our guest, a candidate for uh, U.S. Senate. Uh, we've been talking about the advertising blitz and campaign against her. We're going to continue this discussion in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back uh, in just a second and continue with Kelly Chewbacca. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget you could join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show if you want to talk during the uh, breaks in the chat room. That's where you go. Back with more right after this. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Radio. 
you know, Kelly, I would think that with uh, with what, uh, you know, the information and the letters and everything else, that I mean, you guys could at least send a cease and desist letter to the various media outlets to say you can't run this specific ad anymore anyway because it's blatantly untrue. I mean, that would that would throw a little bit of a, of a wrench into the monkey work, so to speak. That's exactly what we're talking to the lawyer about is which which course of action would be the most effective, given the fact that we've got, what, 29 days left, including today. So <clears throat> we'll see what action what action is best. But we're going to move as quickly as we can. Yeah, no, it's uh, this is uh, pretty crazy, uh, pretty crazy stuff. Um, I want to talk about uh, the reaction from your constituency and everything else. But you've been out there knocking on doors and being all over the place. I saw your itinerary. You were. Uh, here and there and everywhere, uh, but you sound like you're a little tired. So I imagine you've been running pretty hard. I don't feel tired. I think my voice is tired. That's what it's telling me. <laughs> I woke up yesterday sounding a little bit like a frog. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, last week I was in, oh goodness, Bethel, Kenai, Soldotna, the Valley, and Fairbanks and Anchorage all in one week and knocking doors in all those places. I think I didn't get to doors in the valley. We were just stopping through, but otherwise knocking doors in every area. And we're, I mean, it's just going great, Michael. Um, every day we're having wonderful conversations, changing minds, getting people to vote, um, getting them to understand ranked choice voting. Uh, I've just had wonderful um, opportunities at the door. You know, I walked up, some people have maybe seen our Facebook post with the moose, but I knocked this one door and pulled into a driveway and um, a moose scampered out of the driveway. And so I, I went and knocked the door, the person wasn't home. And we said, oh, it would be really cool to get a picture with the moose in the backyard. Because the moose was you know, pretty far back, it was behind the shed. So we decided to walk around the other side of the house because we didn't have a good clear shot of the moose on the first side of the house. So I walked around the corner and came face to face with the mom. Apparently <laughs> the moose we saw was not the moose. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I do not want to die today door knocking. Yeah, no. And Time to back up. Time I, to back up. I was like maybe six feet from, from mom's face. And and I saw another baby moose right behind her. So she had twins. I didn't know that there was a bull moose right behind the other twin. And so we came across this whole family of moose while we were door knocking, which was just about the coolest thing I've ever seen. Right. So I didn't get a lot of door knocking done that afternoon. Because <laughs> but you got, you got we, <laughs> we just sat and watched the moose for a long time. You can see those pictures on our, on our social media pages. We pulled around into the street where we had a, just a little bit more distance and we're able to get a, a photo with all four of the family members in the background, which was really neat. Good, um, good but to, we have a lot of fun adventures while door knocking. Good to know you can get an endorsement from the moose party people. While that's, right. that's right. That's right. Alaska moose love Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's uh, that's pretty crazy stuff. And that's been good. I, I, I think, you know, I said it early on, uh, you know, when we got started, Kelly, but I think what this shows to me is this shows that you're obviously doing something right. You're obviously you, you, you're you're rubbing the wrong, rubbing the right feathers the wrong way. Uh, you're showing them that, uh, you know, and especially with your background uh, in the, you know, efficiencies, fraud, uh, you know, trying to find these things and uh, misappropriations and all the things that you do. I think they definitely do not want a Kelly Shibaka down there who's going to be pointing at all the 
loopholes and the and the and the the unconstitutional and fraudulent things that seem to be going on inside most of this legislation in Washington D.C. Well, obviously that's true. I mean, we're seeing that McConnell pulled his millions of dollars from winning the race in Arizona, where we could flip a seat, and instead is targeting it up here, which is just a a peculiar decision. Um, one of the things that's interesting about the backstory of all this, remember I told you in that audit of my hours, I was holding some employees accountable. One of those employees ended up needing to leave the executive branch for obvious reasons. Well, guess where he now works, where he went to work and where he currently works? And the answer is he's Capitol Hill staff on the Senate side. And he's been there ever since he left the position where I was holding him accountable. And um, I imagine that that's how Mitch McConnell found out about this investigation, which I'm pretty sure is classified. And I'm, I imagine that that's exactly how this, this matter came to everybody's attention and is now public is because this employee let them know. This employee, as well as McConnell and others, do not want me there uh, because I don't play partisan favorites. I'm not going to play that for every side. We need to do what's best for Alaska. We need to do what's right for the people. We need to hold these agencies accountable to us. It's government of the people, by the people, for the people. I have always fought for our Alaska values, and that's what I'm going to keep doing. And I think that's a huge threat to an establishment DC machine that just turns itself up at the expense of us. And that's what I see my opponent voting for. That's why I got in the race, Michael, as I, I watched these votes she was making. And I just realized she's not fighting for us. She's fighting for them. And we need right. to change that. Kelly Shabaka is our guest, uh, candidate for U.S. Senate. Uh, got, I got one more little thing before uh, when we come back here, before we jump into some of the other issues that I want to uh, mention uh, that I found hysterical. Here we go. Kelly Shabaka is our guest candidate for U.S. Senate. And before I get into the reactions from some of your constituents and stuff, I do want to say one thing because somebody just they just nudged my brain here uh, in the chat room when they said it. Um, they said that their four year old loves it when the gravy train ads come on because he says, look, her train has all the money. I thought that was funny, first of all. But second of all, I, I had to laugh because, you know, Kelly wants to get on the gravy train. And I thought, wait a second. You guys just admitted that being a U.S. senator is a gravy train, that you're getting all the monies, that you're getting access to all that. You guys actually just admitted that. I mean, that is, well, that's pretty amazing right there, right? That that part right there I thought was kind of astonishing that they actually admitted that being a senator is, in their words, the gravy train. That is a really good observation, Michael. <clears throat> um, this would be a great opportunity for me to go in and remind people of all of Senator Murkowski's legitimate ethics violations that she has been called on, but I'm not going to do that. And I think that's a little below the belt. Um, I'll just go back to something that Steve Bannon said when he first interviewed me. He goes, wait a minute, you and your husband both graduated from Harvard Law. And instead of doing what every other Harvard Law person did, you both went into public service. It's like, that's weird. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> unusual. Said, he said, aren't all your friends millionaires? I'm like, yes. Yes, yeah. And 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 what are you? So when my daughter saw the ads, because, you know, um, I think 
these ads are hitting our kids more than they're hitting adults. Um, she came downstairs. She goes, Mom, I think Lisa has another ad out against you. I said, yeah. And she said, did you take a lot of money so we could be rich? And I said, honey, what did you eat last night? She said, Campbell's soup. I said, are we rich? Mac and, <laughs> and cheese. She said, no. Yeah, exactly. I said, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, eight-year-olds tell the truth, I think, better than anybody else. Look, Mom, her train has the most money. <laughs> yeah. And no, we're not rich. Like, what yeah. do we eat every night? We, we're, I don't know about the rest of Alaska. We're eating canned food. Thanks a lot for the inflation, Biden. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're, we're eating what we caught and we're eating canned food. I, yeah. Like, Little bit of mac yeah. and cheese with some moose hot dogs in it. That's what we're eating right now. Yeah, that's uh, that's the Chewbacca family dinner. Um, exactly. So, well, like you said, I'd like to know where said gravy train is. <laughs> exactly, I'd like to get on it. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about the reaction from the constituents because I think, quite honestly, that uh, many Alaskans this is going to backfire on them, and and I, I think that many Alaskans can see through a lot of this, even though it is damaging to some uh, you know low information voters or things like that. What is what is the reaction, Ben? You've been knocking on doors. What have what have people been saying about these attack ads to you? So most people don't bring it up, which I think is fascinating. Um, <clears throat> even if sometimes I'll bring up uh, and I'll say, oh, so, you know, if I get kind of a quizzical face, maybe you've heard the ads against me. Um, they don't bring it up. The things that they're talking about, the first thing people bring up is the economy and inflation. And again, Murkowski wrote the bill that caused our inflation. She wrote the $1.2 trillion excessive spending bill, the one where Sullivan says we're not going to get much of the benefit, but we get all the cost. And economic advisors across the country are saying this is the direct cause of our inflation. It was passed over a year ago. They had to print money for it. And now here we are. Um, the second thing they talk about is guns, guns, guns. They're very aware that we've got a government right now that is infringing on all kinds of rights, whether it's medical autonomy rights or it's our rights in education and what's happening at our schools. Um, we have people are talking about, I mean, it's hitting every Alaskan hard, the, you know, busing for schools and, and kids education. Um, these are the things that I'm hearing at the door. I don't hear a lot of concern about the ads. There's when I go into town halls and stuff, um, people get really angry about them. People are really fired up. And the, where it comes from, from that angle is they're really upset about the dark money, Michael. Right. And they'll they will rattle off the numbers faster than I can. And they'll they've read articles on it. They'll say, you know, McConnell's got three to seven million dollars he's pouring into the state. And in comparison, Markowski raised seven million total in her last election. That's how much money McConnell's putting in negative ads to negative false ads to try and influence this election. Um, in the same way, Murkowski herself has got something like seven to 10 million in her campaign. Almost all of it is dark money. That was just reported in this last quarterly report. And then she's got a quote, Alaskans for Lisa PAC, which is all funded outside the lower 48. And that also has got millions of dollars. They put in most of their money into negative advertising for the primary. When you add all of that together, uh, just do, you know, what is that? I don't know, 20 plus million. And guess how much of that's from Alaskans? And the answer is less than 1 million. Yeah. And that's a lot of dark money from the lower 48 trying to buy our Senate seat. And I think the real point is after that, you owe votes to those people. You're kind of like bought by those people is how this game works. It's what do they call it? Pay to play, right? Right. 
I'm really proud that at this point, while we have a less funded campaign of 4 million something, we are still majority funded by Alaskans, which means that at this point in time, we have broken in-state fundraising records. Never has any candidate or incumbent raised as much money from Alaskans, which means that when we win, we're gonna be a voice for Alaska. I'll owe my voice and my votes to Alaskans. And that's what we really want. That's what we really need is an Alaskan in there who won't owe favors to McConnell, won't owe favors to Biden and the Democrats who have also been funding uh, Murkowski, won't owe favors to anyone. You know, it's important to know at this point, despite what people thought, Trump's PAC hasn't come in and invested a ton of money in the state to influence this election. Right. That's That really makes us an independent agent for Alaska, which is what I started this whole race for. Yeah. We need a future for Alaska, a future for our children, a future that doesn't make us a national park for the lower 48. No, I agree. I think that that is, uh, that is some important stuff. Now, you've mentioned the economy, and of course, the infamous James Carvel said, it's the economy, stupid. That's what people really care about. And it's true, because we're seeing it at the gas pump. We're seeing it at the grocery store. We're seeing all these things. And of course, you mentioned the infrastructure bill, and there's been several reports, including the latest from the CBO, which came out and said, look, by the year 2046, we're going to be spending 144% of GDP on debt and debt service. We're already getting upwards of 100%. We're at 99%, 98% of GDP on debt service. We cannot keep adding to the bill as it comes down here. Uh, we got about a minute for this, but I, I want your response on that, of what we're spending right now. That's exactly right, Michael. We've got to understand that our debt ratio, like the amount of our national debt, I believe is becoming a national security issue. When you go and look through history, this is a huge reason why so many other um, large superpowers and time empires crumble. And we're heading in that direction. And, and we need to be really careful about our spending rate right now. And when you look at the infrastructure bill, everybody knows we need infrastructure. That would actually help the economy. But there's independent organizations that say less than 25% of the bill was actually set aside for infrastructure. 75% of it was the climate change agenda. That's not what we need to be spending money on. And then when they pile the regulations so high to kill the infrastructure, that's what actually happened. Murkowski right. didn't just vote for the bill. She wrote it. And we're paying the price. Yeah. Um, we're down to the last couple minutes here, Kelly. Uh, we're going to hold you in, into the at the end there for the last minute, last word. But I want to give you a chance here for your final pitch. People, where can they find you? Who, where do they see? Why should they vote for you? Two minutes here, go. So Senator Sullivan said it like this when he was talking about the bait and switch infrastructure bill. He said, you know, you've got to decide, decide who do you stand with? Is it with the American people, the families that are suffering and the workers that are being crushed? Or do you stand with Joe Biden and the radical environmentalists and the special interests that have ties to this White House? That's the decision that's before Alaska. Are we going to pick a senator that is standing with Alaska and our families and our workers? Or are we going to pick the senator that's been standing with Joe Biden? and the radical environmentalists and the special interests with dark money flooding our state. That's the decision this November. And I say we stand with Alaska this time. And if that's your decision, then vote for Kelly Chewbacca. Rank me number one, and you can help us out if you want to volunteer and if you want to help us buy more ads, because that's obviously the game. I'm at kelly4ak.com, K-E-L-L-Y-F-O-R-A-K.com. I have the endorsement of Edgar Blatchford, the Democrat who is running on our ticket, Many of the Republicans who are down ballot, the Alaska Native leader, Paulette Shirk, who ran the writing campaign for Murkowski, also not a Republican. 
We've got a coalition of people who've all come on board to say, it's time for Alaska to have Alaska's voice in the Senate. So Kelly for AK.com, if you want to be part of our team, this is about our future. Thanks. Uh, Kelly, one minute left. And so any final thoughts before, uh, before we uh, go to break here? What I would say is this really is about um, your vote because it really matters this time. So our race is tied 50-50, multiple polls have shown that. So what we need the most help with is making sure everybody votes. Voter turnout is really gonna determine this race. A lot of times I will hear people say, I'm not sure my vote really matters or I don't really vote. This is not the year to say that. This vote really could be decided by 100 votes. Like yeah. your neighborhood, your family could determine the outcome. Please make sure to vote, get friends and family to vote as well. Rank Kelly Shabaka number one, and we can win this race. We'll tell DC what we really think. <laughs> Absolutely. Kelly Shabaka, our guest, candidate for U.S. Senate. We appreciate you coming on board. Folks, Heath Smith is coming up next, candidate for State Senate. We're going to talk with him here in a few minutes. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. All right, Kelly, final bite at the apple. Anything that we didn't hit on that you wanted to hit on? We got about three and a half minutes here, so I wanted to give you the final final chunk here uh, to, uh, you know, to sound off because this has been a, you know, it's been hard in one way, I think, for, you know, to try and fight over the noise, but also the truth will win out, I think, in the end. And uh, I, w- I want to hear what you have to say about all these other things. But is there anything that we didn't hit today that you think is important that we should be talking about? Yeah, I think Alaskans are smart enough to know the truth. And another point of truth that just came out, an independent fact checker, PolitiFact, just came out with Lisa as a Pinocchio on all those birth control ads. Remember all those that she was hitting me with? Right, right. They you said, were against mail-in birth control and all that kind yep, of stuff, right? They said she, it's a total lie. And it is. And I was saying that the whole time. But they independently fact checked her and said, that's a total lie. And it's true. So one of the things that does distinguish me and Senator Murkowski she has voted multiple times to allow abortions even up to when the child is coming out of the birth canal. That's the same kind of law that North Korea and China have. That's very extreme. I don't support that. I'm pro-life. I would sign the bill that was just introduced that says that there should be a national cap that somewhere in the second trimester is when the limit should be and states can set their laws under that. We need to protect the life of pre-born Americans. And that's the same kind of law that France and Germany have. And so, you know, bringing our laws nationally to where um, the rest of civilized society is across the globe seems like a good idea nationally. And for birth control, reducing the requirement that adult women have to see a doctor regularly and get prescriptions. Many of our rural communities, Michael, they don't have a post office that's open most of the year. I've been out there. One community had had their post office shut down for six months. How are they going to get the mail? Right. So saying, oh, they can just get it in the mail. It doesn't work like that. Getting a bulk supply when they come to Anchorage in the summer is probably going to work better. And so opening that kind of access would be great. My opponent has never proposed that probably because she gets a lot of dark money from big pharma. But I think we need to be looking out for Alaskans and getting more of our national money that she's directed for our taxpayers to fund abortions. We should be directing to our local clinics here in Alaska that provide women's health care services. So it's probably another big distinguishing point along with blocking Biden nominees that are going to harm Alaska, not taking so much dark money (laughs) to flood our state, 
and then making sure that we protect our Second Amendment rights. Those are the main things that are distinguishing us in this race. Right. And again, it's about the economy. Um, I mean, the that's, economy. it's the economy and the actions that we've seen from this presidency and, uh, you know, really since uh, since 9-11, this continuous spending um, and, and debt creation, it's got to stop. I mean, it's got to stop because if the bubble pricks, we're going to be in big trouble. You think that $6 a gallon gas is bad, wait till you start seeing it at 9 and 10 and you'll be paying village prices, let alone what the villages will be paying at that point. Well, she hasn't used her seniority to cut the, the budget. Um, in 12 years, they've only passed one appropriations bill on time. And all these agencies who blow through their permitting deadlines, they come to her for money and she hasn't held them accountable in the energy committee or in budget cuts and appropriations. So I'm not sure what our seniority is getting us except excessive spending bills and more gun control. And that's where we need to say, you know what, this is about a performance review and you're not meeting expectations. Right. That's what this election is about. Yeah, no, I agree. Kelly Shibaka, um, I, I, you know, again, I'm glad to see you guys are deciding to take some uh, some actions uh, on the legality of things, because I think that that is uh, um I think that that's important. Uh, I think that that is hugely important um, because you've got to shut this stuff down. I know the stations down in the peninsula. I just got a text said the stations down in the peninsula refused the the uh, ads. That's right. And there's been at least two or three stations I know of of an anchorage that have refused the ads simply because they're not true. <clears throat> and that's uh, that is their uh, their right to do it. So uh, hopefully we'll see what happens. I I hope to hear or hope to see maybe some letters coming around soon from you guys that will fix that. Um, and uh, thank you, Michael. We'd like to see that. So Kelly uh, Kelly Shabaka Kelly for akcom We've put links up in the chat room. I saw somebody posted it here a little bit ago. Kelly Shabaka, thank you for coming on board and joining us today. We appreciate it. Have a great day. And and you're the new chairwoman of the Bull Moose Party now, right? That's the you got <laughs> That's the, right. You moose got, for Kelly. <laughs> moose for Kelly. Moose for Kelly. All right. Thank you, Kelly Shabaka. Appreciate you coming on board and joining us today. Thank you so much. Uh, Kelly Shabaka, our guest here <clears throat> on the program, waiting for Heath Smith to be joining us here in just a moment. Uh, let me uh, see um, if I can see this here uh okay i got it heath is uh in the in the green room i see him just popping into the green room right now uh and so we will <clears throat> we will uh check his audio let's check his audio while we're here good morning heath how are you my friend morning michael how you doing good sir good you're going to want to center your camera a little bit because you're going to be in the uh you're, there you go. There you go. Uh, that's a little bit better. And your audio sounds good. You ready to uh, rock and roll and talk all about this stuff today? Good to go, sir. Okay, good. Let me get you uh, just checking uh, checking the positioning there. Okay, there we go. We're good to go. All right. Well, Heath, I'm going to put you back into the uh, green room here. and We'll be to you here in just a hot second. Okay, folks, we're about 90 seconds out right now, failing to meet expectations, Brian says. Perfect, perfect. Um, Kelly and Heath, yep, it's a, it's a good good shot today, Kelly and Heath both. Uh, Politidix says, vote yes for Kelly for Alaska and yes on one convention, yes, absolutely. Um, it is a national security issue, says uh, Sandy, on purpose. Biden and team are globalists and they're trying to bring us down. Uh, I just think these people are, I, I think a lot of these people are basically just, um, they feel like they're too big to fail. I think that's what it is. We could keep spending money and it's all okay because we're too big to fail. They, of course, have not 
learned the lessons of history. As Kelly said earlier, you want to see the decline of empire. You want to see how countries and governments and empires crumble and fall apart. The monetary issues are the biggest part of it. It's not militaries. It's not anything else. It's almost always monetary. And if we don't, uh, we don't pull this together, we're going to go the way of the dodo on a lot of these things. All right, we're ready to go. Heath Smith is up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to the podcast and the social media streams, the audio-only live stream, and more. Monday edition of the big radio show, we just finished up with Kelly Shibaka, candidate for U.S. Senate. If you missed that, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast, which, of course, is available wherever you find podcasts. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, Stitcher, and, of course, Spotify. Um, and it is uh, it was a good interview, and I'm, I hope you go back and listen to it. This hour, we're bringing it back to the state level. We're going to be talking about the state Senate race in District C, which is the Lower Peninsula in Cody. Joining us on the program this morning to discuss it and his candidacy for it is Heath Smith, who is the challenger for the incumbent, uh, Gary Stevens there. Heath Smith uh, coming on board with us to talk about his candidacy and everything else. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Michael. Thanks for having me this morning. Well, I appreciate you coming on board and uh, and joining us today. So first and foremost, I guess, let's tell people a little bit about who you are, where you are, where you come from. And uh, before we get into some of the nitty gritty of the state stuff, who's Heath Smith and uh, what's your story, my friend? Well, I'm just a homegrown Alaskan and, uh, and I'm proud of that. Uh, you know, my grandparents on my mother's side came to Alaska in 47 and um, on my father's side in 56. So we've been around a little bit and um, seen some changes over the course of time. But it doesn't seem that what's happened here in the last seven years, and maybe even 20, things haven't changed at all. We're having the same discussions over and over, which is really kind of one of the things that's frustrated me the most and and really kind of uh, encouraged me to to get into the fray because I'm. It, it's time that we we resolve some of these issues that have been underlying problems for a long time now. But, uh, you know, I live in Homer. I've lived here since 1974. I was born in Anchorage, lived in Fairbanks for a short hitch. Um, and uh, I've got six kids, a couple grandkids, all Alaskans. And uh, and I'm just, I, I have every good reason 
to be invested in the future of the state. And that's my biggest thing is that I want my kids and grandkids and the next generations to be able to call Alaska home and have some some semblance of hope that there's opportunity here for them to be able to make it. So yeah, that's where I'm coming from. Well, and I want to know, uh, I loved, I love here cause somebody just said, you're using duct tape on a snow machine. You're truly in Alaska and you're broadcasting from your <laughs> workshop here. And I can see power tools and, and it looks like my garage, which makes me feel a lot better because my garage is, well, it's, it, I mean, it's a glorified storage space. That's all garages in Alaska really yeah, anyway. Right. Exactly. And you got to move everything this around. Is where, you know, when I was on the Homer city council, this is where, where I sat for hours and hours um, during our council meetings during COVID. So this is a, this is a familiar space for me. Right, exactly. I love it. You have to move half the stuff around just to be able to work on a project and then move everything back when you're done. I mean, it is a glorified storage space. Um, Heath, you know, what made you jump into this? I mean, you know, you, you, you've been involved, as you said, on the city council. You've been involved with some local stuff. But what was there an aha moment? Was there a single thing? Was it cumulative? What made you decide to jump into the Senate race against the – I don't know, the grand old man of the Senate, somebody who's been there mo- longer than almost anybody, uh, over 20, tw- almost 25 years. What 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 made you jump into this race? Well, it really was two things. One is that during my time on the city council, we had an opportunity to work with our uh, current senator. And yeah, he's been there 22 years. Likeable guy. I don't, I haven't found anyone that dislikes Gary. Um, but uh, it, it really became clear to me that his interest did not lie in representing the entirety of our district. And, um, and so, you know, if if we're going to see things get done within the district on these other levels, within these smaller communities, we need to have somebody that's willing to be in those communities and listen and then act on what's needed. And, um, and it was really clear at the end of this last session that he is not interested in doing that. And um, so that sense of frustration really got to a point where it was like, I'm not going to sit by and watch this happen anymore. And and really, the problems that we have with our with the lack of a fiscal policy and, you know, the the robbing of the uh, of the permanent fund dividend in order to kind of make up for that, um, that's not a new problem. And it's something that just hasn't been done. And he has not proposed or been a proponent of any resolution. And um, and that's a problem. We need more people down there that are gonna, I mean, look what Bert Stedman did when it came time to to get the budget done. They locked themselves in a, in, a uh, in, in his office. I'm not saying that that's what should be done, but we need a group of people down there committed to getting it done and doing what needs to happen in order to have some kind of sustainable fiscal policy over time. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's thrown out, oh, well, if we can just, get the permanent fund balance to a hundred million. And now they're talking about 120 that will just be good to go. To me, that's not a fiscal policy. There's no control on government growth or spending or any of those types of things that really kind of keep in check right. how you go about spending well, the money of the state. Because then only the only thing that puts any kind of governor or control on government spend is how much is in the fund, right? I mean, whether the fund yeah. goes up and down and everything else. So that's not really a viable plan either, because, you know, the vagaries of the fund, we remember when our dividends dropped down to three or 400 bucks because of the, you know, 07, 08 fiscal crisis and everything else. And it was that way for four or five years before it rolled off. So, yeah, we can't count on a lot of that stuff in the long term. Um, you've been. Well, and, and the permanent fund is a part of a market 
and markets go up and down. Right. So we're dealing with the same thing, really, th that we are with the oil markets. Markets go up and down. So there's still we have to work out something that we can sustain over time. And that just means that we have to have a government that is built on um, a revenue source that is impervious to those 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 huge swings. Yeah. Uh, you've been out talking to the people, I'm sure, in your constituencies, doing door knocking and stuff like that. Uh, I'm always interested. To me, that was the most interesting part of running for office. I did that and I, I talked to those people and it was the most interesting part is talking to them on their doorsteps, you know, kind of candidly. What do you care about? What's important to you? So what are people saying? The PFD, economy, crime, budget? What, what, what are the people saying to you is the most important thing? What's the first thing that comes off their lips when you're talking to them about, uh, uh, you know, what their concerns are as constituents uh, here in the state? Well, all of those things, Michael. I mean, when I was in Seward knocking doors, I happened to knock on the door of one of the local police officers, and he expressed great frustration in the lack of the judicial system to prosecute um, these criminals that they work very hard to bring to justice. And, um, you know, SB 91 is long gone, but the, the implications of what's happened over COVID and the backlog of cases um, <clears throat> has prevented these people from really being brought to justice within our system. And that's broken in the sense that it just emboldens criminals. Um, they get released without bail um, and they don't serve any time and there's no conviction. And it's really hard on our, on our you know, law enforcement division in order for them to stay focused and on the importance of what it means to keep law and order within our communities. So that's one of those things. The other thing, obviously, is the permanent fund dividend. I mean, I, you're seeing exhaustion by the folks of this state that this continues to be done after seven years now, um, after, you know, Walker's move to, <clears throat> to change how that gets done. Um, you know, people are just tired of the fact that we haven't been able to resolve that and they want to get it done. And that's one of the things that I'm committed to doing. Uh, the other thing is, is that, uh, you know, if, if, if we as a state want to move forward, I mean, how do you do that if you're stuck in the past? And, um, right. and the reality of it is, and you've talked about this, you can't change outcomes if you don't change the players. And um, I don't think that a citizen's legislature is meant to be a, a career move for anybody within this state. And we do the greatest good to every community if we can send our legislators back to the communities and find other ways to contribute after they've served on the state level. And so um, at some point, you got to say they've been there long enough to do everything within their power to do it. They've 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 shown all their moves. And in my in my instance, I think that, you know, why send back somebody that's had every opportunity over a long course of time right. to resolve some of these issues and hasn't done it. Right. And not only that, he's not in the forefront. I mean, he's a leader in the Senate and yet not never in the forefront to make difficult things happen. Well, there's an argument to say, you know, that the people who uh, created the problem are not equipped to be the people to fix the problem, right? I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. The people who did not have the foresight to prevent this problem from happening in the fiscal crunch that we're facing in the state are not the same people that they just don't have the capability, I think, at that point. You need fresh blood and new ideas because obviously what they're doing is not working. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and I'd like a comment on this because I know that there's a video that surfaced here recently of your opponent uh, in front of a 
a crowd at one of the high schools there locally talking about the permanent fund. And he basically said, well, the permanent fund is not the people's money. The permanent fund dividend is not the P- – he's, he's talking about the PFD and the permanent fund itself. They're two separate things. I don't want to get confused here. But he said, that's not your money. That's government's money that they're deigning to give to you essentially is what the implication was. And uh, so I want to get your take on the permanent fund and the permanent fund dividend. Is the permanent fund dividend the people's money? Is that their share? Well, absolutely. And I mean, Jay Hammond championed that for a very specific reason. He wanted the people to have a stake in the money that was there so that they could keep government in check, so that there just wasn't unbridled spending over time. Otherwise, he saw it as becoming an unpermanent fund because there was nothing there for them to answer to. And, you know, while he lamented over the fact that he didn't veto the repeal of the, of the income tax, he still understood that um, this component, which he wanted from the very beginning as a part of the permanent fund program, um, was to keep us connected. And right. so that we paid attention and that they had to pay attention to us at the end of the day when it came to spending. And so, you know, you know, Gary, in, the, in, that, in that video, he says, you know, you have, a, you have a huge misunderstanding of the permanent fund. Right. And he says, it's not your money. You can't say that it never was. And, um, and people that look at that video they say, well, we need context. I was like, what more context do you need? I mean, he says it as plainly as, as one can say it. And, um, and I think that Alaskans should really take notice that there are people in our legislature that truly believe that we have no right to that money. And it is with purpose. I mean, we are common shareholders in the permanent fund, and those dividends represent um, that ownership. And it allows some level of um, accountability to be exacted upon our legislators when they spend it. Yeah, absolutely. Heath Smith is our guest. This is as good a time as any to go to break, and we will come back with more uh, discussions with him, solutions that he sees, size and scope of government, and more. We're going to continue with all of these uh, talking points and discussions in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. You can join us on the chat room by going to Facebook or YouTube or Twitch or any of those places, and you could be part of it there as well. Come on in and join us. It is The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Heath Smith, our guest, will return right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, we're in the break right now. Heath Smith is our guest. Somebody was admiring your mounts there on the ping pong table behind you. You got some uh, great. Uh, you got some great. Uh, what are those? Javelina? What What is that behind you? There? Well, actually, those just came in. My daughter and I went to Africa earlier this year, and so I've got a kudu, a waterbuck, a niala, and a leshwe sitting there. It. Uh, it's I, I was for the longest time I was looking at them trying to figure out what they were and then I realized it so uh, it's good to yeah they're not domestic yeah they're not definitely not something that came out of the Brooks Range or something like that so uh, good for you um, <clears throat> Heath uh, tell me what uh, I guess give me your uh, 
your best experience. What, what's been your best experience so far? What's been the thing that's excited you the most and surprised you the most on the campaign so far uh, as you've gone through it? Um, you know, the thing that you were like, wow, I'd never expected that. Never, you know, just kind of a uh, that good aha moment that you've had while you've been running for office here. Well, I think what's emboldened me and really encouraged me is that, uh, you know, what makes a place is the people, right? And I and Alaska has always been great because of its people and for many reasons. But, you know, engaging with people at the doors and at events, um, you know, it really kind of reinforces this idea that people do care and um, and that it, it's more about what's coming than what is to here today. And uh, anyone can muddle through a day, but you know, the whole idea is that we set something up so that we're not failing in the future. And, um, and that's what people want. They want resolution, they want good representation, and they want people focused on things that are gonna help us ultimately, you know, have something to be hopeful for and, and that our kids can actually in, enjoy. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that was always my favorite thing, again, was to go door to door and to see the people in their natural environment on their front porch, you know, or their stoop or whatever, and talk to them about what they cared about. Uh, because I think, and I think that went a long way to why I was successful is because I, I don't think they'd seen anybody from the borough assembly come out and talk to them in so long. And so that's good. And I know down in your neck of the woods, um, you know, your senator has been a little reticent to appear in, like, they, he won't even respond to this program. Uh, I've never gotten a single response from this program. I'd, I'd called out to his office before to try and get him on the show. He, he got You got the letter that I sent out to every candidate. Uh, got absolutely no response from him on any of that. It's like he doesn't want to talk to people who are not in agreement with him. And I think that that, that in and of itself is problematic as a public official. Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to be in Kodiak here in another week, and um, he's declined to participate in the candidate forum on his own island. So, um, you know, that reflects on him more than it does me. And I think that it only reinforces the message that I'm willing to show up and it'll be my fourth time to Kodiak. And, I, and Kodiak needs to know that I'm, I'm willing to represent them. They're not going to lose any representation. I'm going to work hard with whoever the representative is there in District 5. And um, and we're going to work tirelessly to help our district flourish, whether it's in the fisheries, the ferries, or any of those types of things that are critical to um, you know our economies. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's frustrating, and I mean, I like the idea of what you're talking about with uh, this idea of not having it be. Um, you know, we're supposed to have citizen legislators. We're supposed to have people who go back and get the job done and they don't want to do, you know, multiple special sessions because they got work to get back to, you know, they got things to do. And I think that that's, uh, I think that that's important. I mean, term limits, obviously, I think is something that we could really discuss here in the state for the state legislature. And, you know, that's been, that's really been a very common thing that's come up with people that I visited with thinking that term limits is an absolute must. And, um, and so, you know, I, I don't know if it happens within the halls of Juno or if the people really need to bring something like that forward. It could be something that is addressed if the Constitutional Convention passes. Um, so there's there's several pathways to making that happen. But, you know, Juno is not like uh, Washington, D.C., where the seniority matters as much. Right, right. I mean, you, you see the people that sit on, you know, 
the uh, the finance committee and the rules committee. There's a tremendous amount of power hold, within. Hold those. on, a, hold on a second here. We're about to ding here, so I don't. Okay. I want. I want you to be able to finish your thought. We will continue this. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share. Like and share. Like and follow. Here we go. Let's get it done. We're continuing now. Heath Smith is our guest candidate for Senate District C in the state of Alaska, which is the Lower Peninsula in Kodiak. Uh, we were just talking about <clears throat> the idea of term limits uh, because he brought it up earlier about not having, you know, about having a citizen legislature and not being down there for 20 plus years and making a career out of it. And you were saying, Heath, that that was actually something that a lot of people on their doorsteps were talking about. Um, that uh, that the term limits were something you know somewhat of a good idea that they that they saw. Yeah, and I and I think that there's a lot of validity to it. Um, you know, as I said, you know, as a citizens legislature, I need we need to be invested in a process that improves our state, and then be willing to go back and live with those decisions that we make and contribute in other ways to our communities. And um, you know, and and as far as seniority and experience, yeah, sure, there's value to those things, but at some point. Um, you know, there's diminishing returns in that regard. And we've seen that with our current senator. So, um, you know, with all that experience and authority, what have we resolved in one of our most fundamental charges as an elected official when it comes to our fiduciary responsibilities? And, um, and I can't, it's not much. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about the state in and of itself. Uh, this is the question that I like to ask. Is the state budget, as you see it right now, too big, too small, or just right? What what what, what do you see here in the state uh, as far as budget uh, issues go? Well, absent a, a sustainable fiscal policy, it can't be just right, right? So I think that it, you know, we saw a huge chunk of it that was uh, capital projects, right. which we had kind of been without for a number of years. So they were trying to make up and we were flush. But this is a common problem is that we have, um, you know, we have these flush years and people just seem to have amnesia to the problems that have been plaguing us over a period of time. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden it's not a problem. And um, and it's business as usual there in Juneau in uh, funding a lot of things that maybe they shouldn't have. I, it, it's obviously too big. It's one of the it's the biggest in our history, right? And so how can you sustain something that's the biggest ever when we already couldn't sustain what happened before? Right. Well, I mean, <clears throat> that's part of the problem is that we are very much a feast and famine state because we put everything and we, we you know, we rely so heavily on a volatile resource like oil to, uh, to, to fill our coffers. You know, we're very much in the feast and famine and it seems like we always have amnesia in the, in the good years. Uh, and then we just look around when the bad years happen and go, geez, what happened? How, how did we get here? Uh, you know, we create programs, we build infrastructure without planning on, 
uh, paying for upkeep and all these other things. And it's just a shock, a shock, I tell you, when the bottom drops out and all of a sudden we're out of money. And it's, you know, I'm always reminded of that 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 uh, that uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean where they're running back and forth across the deck of the ship from one rail to the other, because that's where we're at. We're like, oh, we're great. Oh, we're not. Oh, we're great. Oh, we're not. And eventually you're going to flip the ship over because nobody is paying attention to what's going on. We, we've got to see this in a more long-term fiscal solution. It seems like we're going from election to election instead of looking at a 10 or a 20-year plan. Oh, yeah. And and that's the crazy thing. You know, I've been reading, and you've probably read this book. What is it? Um, Diapering the Devil by Jay Ham. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of interesting things that kind of reoccur over time in there. And one is that you know, all these candidates run on this idea that they're going to fix the fiscal problem. And then, you know, there's a good year here and there, and then they just kind of forget about it. And um, so that's what I'm saying is that we need to elect people that are willing to go down there, regardless of, you know, where we are on oil prices and be determined to fix something that um, kind of buoys us against, you know, the fluctuation in the oil market. Right. And, uh, and we've got to be, we've got to get it done. It just has to happen. I mean, I'm just sick and tired of it. Is I mean, that's one of the things that is just like, how can we still be talking about this? Right. You know, I was on a ferry with uh, Senator Murkowski coming back from Soldovia earlier this summer. And uh, we sat down and chatted for a little bit. And she said, you know, Heath, isn't it interesting? Because when she was in the, in, in the, in the Alaska legislature, um, oil dropped, I think, in 98 or 99 to around $11 a barrel or something. And they had this huge fiscal crisis. And she was named to this fiscal working group like we just had. And um, and they came up with basically the same blueprint as what we have today uh, that came right. out of this last one. And she says, isn't it interesting that we're just repeating history? And yeah. my comment was, no, it's disgusting. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we're not going to learn from the past, then what's the point? Right. Well, and you mentioned the Fiscal Policy Working Group, which is a great segue because, I mean, this was a plan that was brought together by a separate group of people, probably couldn't have been more philosophically, uh, you know, opposites in many ways. And yet they all came together conclusively, unanimously in the end and said, here is the solution. And not only is here the solution piece by piece by piece, you have to do it holistically. Otherwise, it's not going to fix anything. If you just pick and choose one or two things, it's never going to fix it. You have to take the whole thing holistically. And the legislature, the power in the legislature, the leadership, uh, which include the House and the Senate and some of the players, including your opponent, all basically just shoveled that thing into a drawer and said, that's nice, kids. Thanks. Let's move on. Um, would you be using that blueprint uh, as a as a roadmap for going forward if you were in the uh, Senate? Well, I mean, it's a great starting point. I mean, the, the good thing about that, if you go back and look at the document, what they had to do in the very beginning was determine and determine what numbers they were basing as truth, right? You couldn't you couldn't have four different individuals using four different sets of numbers to come right. to some right. conclusion. And so and that's a big thing is that we understand the basis of what we're building off of. And if the number structure is is good, then, you know, we have something to start with. And I really think that holistically it has to be done. Otherwise, you're going to have a very difficult time getting everybody to sign on. And um, so the components in there, I think, are are good. They're solid. What I don't think is that, you know, when we send back people that have been in Juno for decades, um, 
basically demanding that they have the best answer and they're only willing to move forward if they if they get one of those components done um, is just wrong. And, right. and in all name names, I mean, Bert Stedman is is. He's a crafty fellow, man. Oh, That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't and, say uh, that he's and, not sly and cunning. You can't say that. <laughs> I mean, he he um, can single handedly um, undermine the process if if you don't have the right um, pieces around him to kind of counterbalance it. And yeah. so I, uh, you know, I can appreciate the fact that he is as well versed as he is in how to use the process. But um, on the other hand, he it can't be the Stedman way or the highway. Right. And I think that there needs to be a far more open process and that he needs to be willing to kind of work with his uh with his colleagues to to move the state forward. Now you come forward and said that the state budget is too large. We've seen, of course, we we've looked at the budget. We know, I mean, the biggest component is health and social services. The second one is education. Um, you know, those are two lion that take, that takes up the lion's share, two thirds of the budget or something like that between the two of them. And yet we still have like a, the stories in Anchorage today. They're going to be closing some schools. It looks like because they have a shortfall, and the blame all goes back to not fully funding education, not fully funding, not putting enough money in there because they haven't raise the base student. Forget about all the other money. Base student allocation is just the base student allocation. There's always monies that goes beyond that. But because they haven't adjusted it in six years, then that's a problem. And so we're not. But I mean, these are the biggest items in the budget. Uh, How would you as a senator like to take that on and figure out where would you be looking at, uh, you know, savings and efficiencies and cuts that could work in that regard? Well, I think that, you know, there we need to look at a consolidation of services, n- not just in administrations, which you've had, you've talked about that on your show quite a bit, and I agree, but also um, in in parameters where they have in geographic areas that they have multiple schools in the consolidation there, because I don't, in some levels, your education is a failing institution, public education. Absolutely. And, um, and so... What are, what are the barriers to success there is the questions that need to be asked. Why are we failing? And um, and one, I think it has to do with the lack of accountability, um, not just to people in the system, but also the students. I mean, I've had kids in high school. I mean, I still have two kids in high school and one yet to come. And there's very little accountability. And, and, and that just does not raise a generation of people that are going to contribute on a level that understand the value of good hard work. Um, but also, I you know, the cost of, of doing business in Alaska is not cheap. And so the consolidation of these, of these brick and mortar facilities uh, should be something that should be talked about. Last time I was on the show, we talked about, um, you know, the new school that's going to go on in down there in, in Razdalna and or no catch CeeLo. And um, you know, for 40 kids, it's a $13 million building, but right. there's all the associated costs that come with that. And, you know, that versus finding a way to transport them up, up the Canyon to, uh, to a school that already is in good, in good repair. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of crazy to me, but there's that, but in the healthcare, the thing that drives me nuts is that there's, and this, this is accountability, accountability, accountability. There's no accountability in the healthcare system either. They allow, you know, my son tore his ACL last year. Um, he went and got an MRI. They, they uh, gave him this small little brace. And I was like, well, that's not much, but it was just to get him by until, uh, until he got his surgery. And 
And then we got the bill from the insurance. They charged over $800 for this little wimpy brace. And I was like, 800 bucks, like, what is that? So the primary insurance paid 600 of that. And the secondary paid the remainder, the 200 and some dollars. I was like, that is insane. Right. I scanned the box of that on Amazon. It was $97, right. $97 oh, for yeah. that exact same brace. And so when we talk about costs, I mean, if, if you said this the other day, and it's the truth, we got nearly a third of um, Alaskans on some form of, um, you know, subsidized health care. 270,000. Yeah. 270,000 yeah. Alaskans on, on the Medicaid in Medicaid, Medicare in some, some form or other 270,000 Alaskans with all the expanded options that are out there. Yeah. And we can thank Walker for, you know, adding 70,000 people to that. But the thing is, is that I, you know, the cost of healthcare and the way that it's worked through the insurance is, um, We've got to fix that. If we don't fix, fix the costs and and really come down to some kind of um, acceptable, you know, price structure, it's just going to it's going to remain broken and it's going to ultimately break us all because, you know, yeah. you can't say that your health is you can't put a price on it and you can pay. You're just going to pay whatever they charge you. But it's it's just a scam between our medical institutions and the insurance companies. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned two things that I know that are very relevant uh, specifically to your district, maybe not to the rest of the state, but you mentioned ferries and fisheries, which are important, obviously, to the lower peninsula and to Kodiak and those areas that you would represent. So where do you stand on those two issues? You know, what's your thoughts on those here quickly? We got about uh, four and a half minutes here before we got to go. Well, the fisheries, I mean, it, it's its the lifeblood of many of these communities. And um, and so we need to make sure that we're properly managing those so that they're sustainable over time, um, which means that, you know, the legislature in a confirming process needs to make sure that there are uh, people that are appointed by the governor that make it on there that are going to be well-rounded and they're going to not just be fishery specific, but look at the fisheries holistically and how there should be enough fish for every fishery so that we're not leaving people out. I mean, the set netters up here in the upper Cook Inlet, they've suffered greatly due to the closures because of the King salmon runs in, in the river, um, you know, through amendment 14 that came down and they closed the upper Cook Inlet to the commercial fisheries. Um, you know, that got overturned ultimately, but uh, you know, we have to make sure that Alaska is looking out for all its fisheries and that it's sustainable over time. And um, and we need to demand of the governor that he is appointing people to the North Pacific Fisheries Management Council, people that are gonna protect on that level too. Right, every and, every user, not just the commercials, yep. not just this, every user. And, and I think that if you bring all those people to the table, they're willing to do what they have to to help everybody succeed. But when you have people like um, the sports fishing People, we have a, an individual, and very in particular, that is um, very outspoken about just doing away with commercial fishing, because he wants to feed his love and his passion and his pocketbook through what he does, and um, and that's something that we have to get away from because there's too many people that make a living and have for for decades with through their families um, through the fisheries and the ferries so, and the ferries. Well, in the ferries, I mean, if you look at Cordova, Soldovia, Kodiak, Homer is not dependent on the ferries, but we benefit from the ferries um, just because we're a, a launch destination on the road system. Um, 
I mean, it, it's critical to these communities. And, you know, in talking to the communities, what they want is something that's dependable. It doesn't have to be two, three times a week. It, you know, if they could have weekly service, then that's, that's something that's doable. And um, so, but anyway, we, it is the highway system. Right. And, you know, last time I was on here, we talked about how, how subsidized our road systems are with the feds. Um, you know, the idea that it wouldn't, wouldn't be any more subsidized to these communities through the ferry system, I think is a, a little goofy. And I know that, you know, those that don't use them and don't depend on them can't really connect with the realities of what comes through being able to have the ship come to port on a regular basis. But it's, it's the truth. Um, I, you know, you look at what happens in Kodiak, they get their, they get their food really through the ferry. Right. Other than that, they've got to find another way to fly it or barge it when those things are broken down. And that, that just drives costs up. Right. And, um, and so there, there's a lot of benefits economically and, um, and socially that come through that. And I think that if the state were smart, they would run it. Um, they, they would increase the, the amenities and the types of things that would, could happen on there to really market it in the summer um, to where it, it might be a little bit more of a uh, financial wash on some level. Well, like you said, bi-monthly or weekly instead of three or four times a week. I mean, I think that makes a lot more sense than what we've been talking about in the past. Uh, we got about two minutes here, a little bit less. Uh, Heath, final thoughts, your pitch, why why should they vote for you versus your opponent? Where can they find you, et cetera? Well, again, I, I mean, I'm, I'm puzzled at what possibly somebody that has been there for 22 years could bring new to the table to resolve a problem that's been around for decades. So ever since he took office, and um, so I think it's just time to revitalize down there and get some fresh, some a fresh face, fresh ideas and fresh energy and um, and and somebody that's committed to resolving that issue, regardless of how 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 high or low the, the price of oil is. So, I mean, I would encourage people to check out my uh, website, smithaksenate.com and call me. I'm more than willing to talk to anybody that wants to ring me up or text me or email me. And uh, a lot of people have been surprised that I've been responding to their emails. They're like, oh, I never expected you. <laughs> I was like, well, this and, is what it's about. And I know you said you would come on the program. Uh, you know, if you're elected, you come on the program to give us updates, which is something that I think people really need and people really want and uh, should be a requirement for anybody who wants to be in elected office, that kind of accountability. Accountability. Uh, That's what I'm all about. Yep. Uh, Heath Smith, our guest uh, for the program today. Heath, thank you so much for coming on board. We appreciate it. Uh, and we appreciate you uh, being part of it. SmithAKSenate.com. SmithAKSenate.com. Uh, we're going to continue uh, in just a moment. We're going to take some phone calls. Uh, the Michael Luke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Heath Smith, our guest. Final thoughts, Heath. I give you the final bite at the apple here. we got about four minutes. So if there's anything that we didn't touch on, anything that we should uh, have hit on, I mean, I, 
I just think we can't hit on the fact that you said it, that the system that we have right now is fundamentally broken for education. I mean, we've got, you know, we're performing in the 49th and 50th percentile of all the states for math and reading and and science and all that kind of stuff. One in four don't graduate. And yet the answer always seems to be, well, we'll just throw more money at it. That'll fix it. And so I think that that is a, that's a topic that we could touch on, but whatever you want to hit on here in the last uh, four minutes here before we let you go. Well, I, you know, one of the things that I just really want to focus on going forward is that, you know, as a, as a born and raised Alaskan, I have a lot of hope for the future of Alaska because it's, you know, as its future is my future, it's your future. And we should be invested in that. And that means that we have to pay attention on a level that allows us to kind of understand what's happening in Juneau and the long lasting effects of inaction and action. And so, Right now, the inaction that's occurred over the decades, um, it's coming home to roost. And yep. we can't we cannot kick that can any longer. And um it it's only gonna it's only gonna make things monumentally more difficult for, you know, any of our kids to stick around in this state. Well, I don't want this to be a retirement state. Yeah. Um, well, and it can't be a retirement state because the cost of living here. I mean, I've met many people I've known that have retired and had to move out because they can could not afford to live here on just their retirement. So it wouldn't even be a retirement state. What it would be would be a company town. It'd be a government. You would have to work for government to be able to afford to live here or to be able to have a job here. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's part a parcel of the whole problem. Yep. I agree. Can I read one thing out of this uh, diapering yeah, of the devil? Absolutely. And this is about the PFD. He said, <clears throat> this was about the conference that was called in 2004, the fiscal uh, addressing the fiscal gap. And, and um, uh, Hammond says this, he says, I urge the confreeze uh, to place paramount, to place paramount our constitution's mandate to manage our resources for the maximum benefit of the people. That to me means all our people not simply the fortunate or recipients of subsidized jobs or state services. Nothing, I said, better meets that mandate than our dividend program. Yep. If you dispute that, I challenge you to poll Alaskans and ask, the, ask what state program provides them with a greater benefit. While perhaps some would list one of our free state services over dividends, those are in effect selective dividends. Yeah which inequitably benefit some Alaskans far more than others. Yeah. yeah. And so when people are disgusted with the conversation over the dividends and the benefit that they provide and that it's some kind of socialized um, distribution of wealth, I get a lot of that on my, on my Facebook is that, oh, this is just another form of socialism. Um, it's a, that's a warped definition of socialism if you understand the whole principle in, in, in a common world and how we get to share in that wealth and how it feeds the economy in return. Yeah, no, I agree. And we've got to get our fiscal house in order because we can already see what's going on at the national level. Uh, yep. I mean, we've got a problem. We start talking about 98, 99% of GDP being going towards debt and debt service. And they're saying in the next 20 years, it'll go up to 140% of GDP. If we don't have our own fiscal house in order, we're going to be in big trouble. The pain, the pain is going to be um, real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The pain will definitely be real. Um, are you having a meet and greet or anything, Heath, for folks to come out and see you and, and shake your hand and do all that kind of stuff? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be in Seward um, here later this week. Uh, the location is yet to be determined, but I'm going to be in Kodiak for that forum on the 18th and then back in Kodiak that weekend for an extended period of time because I've got there's a joint event that we're doing with Kelly Chewbacca and Nick Begich and Sarah Vance and I here um, on the 17th at Land's End. And then I'm going to be in Cordova at the end of the month doing a meet and greet there. Um, and then I'm on and I'm knocking doors and there's plenty to do. Trust me. Oh yeah. There's plenty, plenty of work to do. We saw Kelly Shabaka this morning. She would look, she was, she sounded, she said she didn't feel tired, but she sounded a little wore out. I know that this is a hard thing to do, but it's also, uh, obviously what needs to happen. So, uh, I'm glad to see that you're out there fighting the fight. Uh, Heath Smith, uh, thanks for coming on board and joining us today. We appreciate it. Hey, Michael, appreciate you and great show you got. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on board. We will uh, talk with you again uh, soon here in the future. Heath Smith, our guest, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget to like and share the program. Don't forget to like and follow the show page. Don't forget to subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. I mean, what are we up to? 400 people, 370 people on YouTube right now? I only need 1,000. I don't know why we can't. It is so hard. I just so hard. Uh, All right. Uh, We are out of time for this segment. We're going to jump in and I'm going to start the phone lines right now. Let me start the phone lines right now. And we're going to get this done. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Welcome back to the program. One final segment of the old radio show today. Finished up with uh, uh, Kelly Shabaka and Heath Smith now. And um, why not? We'll start the phone lines and uh, let's just uh, get that on. So phone lines are now open. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Of course, reminding you again that this hour of the program being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. For any communications needs you have in the state, whether it's email or phone calls, text messages, remote internet, doesn't matter if you're up in the White Mountains or down in Ketchumac Bay. They've got uh, they've got the solutions for you to be able to stay connected all across the state of Alaska. So special thanks to Satellite West for sponsoring this hour of the program. All right, I have some things I want to say. I want to follow up on what I was just talking about with Heath Smith, but let's go to the phones and we'll see what you guys have to say here um, to begin with since phone calls reign supreme at 907-433-3150. Over here we go. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Hello, Randy. What's on your mind? Well, I really appreciate your candidate that you just had on, uh, Keith Smith. By the way, I got an echo going on, but that's okay. Uh, Because he brought up Hammond's book, Diapering the Devil. And I've often quoted from that book, uh, specifically on page 17 of Hammond's book, Diapering the Devil, uh, 
uh, Hammond lays out several points of his ideas behind the dividend, you know, why he did what he did. And, and here's what he says on page 17. He says, this is point number five, by ish, quote, by issuing shares of dividend earning stock annually and allowing Alaskans to accumulate them over time, I hoped to eliminate the magnetic attraction for others from elsewhere who might otherwise be inclined to flock to Alaska in order to receive dividends. Few would do so for the mere $50 dividend per share we initially set arbitrarily, but many might if everyone received a few thousand, unquote. And so uh, Governor Hammond was concerned about drawing massive quantities of people who just had just wanted to suck off of our uh, state of Alaska dollars. He wanted the bulk of that money, the dividend money, to go to long-term residents, and that's why the 1980 dividend plan was like it was, which favored long-term residents. And that is, and, and, and as to why he felt that way, I'm not sure exactly, but I can imagine, and it might probably be the same reason that anyone might feel that way, or why I would feel that way. And, that, and the reason is, is because I can just intrinsically know that long-term residents have contributed much more to this state, have endured many more winters, deserve more. And secondly, I don't want to attract a bunch of people that are just interested in getting more money and more benefits from the state. I want people that come up here that want to work and want to produce. Right. So that's well, why I proposed my Hammond Bond program, yeah. which I have at my website, pfdbudget.com. Yeah, no, I mean, look, if Hammond's original vision of shares had been played out, you're right. Unfortunately, that's not the system that we have right now. Now, could we change it? Possibly. But changing it, I mean, wholesale, which is what your proposal would be, which would be changing the system wholesale, would probably face stiffer opposition than just following the statutory law. But I agree, that's what Hammond's vision was. And initially, that's, you know, of course, a lot of that was submarined by the Zobel decision. So, uh, but I think, you know, uh, you're right. That's exactly what he wanted. Thank you, Randy, for calling in. I appreciate it. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Melissa and Fairbanks. Hello, Melissa. Hey, so there was something mentioned with your most recent uh, guy you were interviewing. I'm sorry, his name slipped my mind. Heath Smith. Um, and I just caught the, okay, I just caught the tail end of it. But I just wanted to point out that those of us Alaskans who, you know, we live here, we've received the PFD, um, understand that under the statutory, the way it's, you know, everything's written. Um, there are going to be some years that our dividend is only going to be a couple hundred dollars because of the five-year rolling average. And I think most of us understand that and are okay with that. Um, but what we're not okay with is the legislators coming through and deciding how much our PFD is going to be and then stealing the rest of it from us. And, you know, it's not just stealing it from me as a homeowner, but it's stealing it from my child's educational future or right. my fuel tank to heat the home that my family lives in. Right. Um, and it's just theft, and they should all be charged for it because, you know, even if they did find a loophole, it's wrong on so many levels. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, that's the thing. This is Alaskan share of the oil wealth. In fact, 
you know, uh, Hammond says uh, uh, later that, you know, that this is the, the ultimate expression of capitalism is that we're getting remittance for the mineral rights that we lost. That's what we're receiving as shareholders. And we should. And the fact that they're coming in and, and taking a portion of it to fund government arbitrarily without a say of the people that no, nobody wants the people to vote on this tells you a lot because they know that if the people voted on it, the people feel like they could spend that money a lot better than they could, Melissa. I think that's uh, that's 100% true. Um, so thank you. Well, am I wrong? I, I don't think you're like wrong. I remember when Walker was governor, uh, there was a vote. And there was a question put forth to all of the residents of Alaska, whether we wanted our PFD to be used for government spending no. or if we want it yeah. to be left alone. No, you were... And yeah, the majority you, of Alaskans said no, and Walker came out the next day and said, well, I know you guys voted no, but I'm going to go ahead and use it anyway. No, there was no vote of Alaskans. Um, you're, you're maybe thinking about the 99 vote, which was the change on POMV. There was no vote of Alaskans. That was one of the bones of contention is that they that Mike Dunleavy, as a senator, put forward an amendment that said uh, before we started changing it in this SB 26 and making moving to POMV, we should put it before a vote of Alaskans. And he was shouted down. He was voted down by everybody else, including Peter Machicki and others that said, no, no, we don't want the people voting. In fact, Peter came on my program later and I asked him why he wouldn't allow a vote of the people. And he said, well, because people will vote with their pocketbooks. Well, of course, people know how to spend that money better than than government does. And that's the thing. So, yeah, there hasn't been a vote of the people since then. I would assume that if there was right now, the outcome would be similar to that 99 vote, which was 83% of Alaskans said no. And I think it would be the same thing today, quite honestly, Melissa. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Um, I wanted to follow up. I don't have enough time really to follow up on this, but I, I just mentioned it earlier. You know, Alaskans, uh, Heath said he didn't want Alaska to become a retirement state. And I, I, I don't think that's ever going to happen because you can't afford to live in the state of Alaska if you're on a retirement. I decided seven years ago that I couldn't afford to live in the interior on a retirement, let alone in the state of Alaska, because of the cost of living, because it is so high. Uh, the only way you're going to be able to do it is if you have, like I said, a government job with a decent salary and tremendous benefits and everything else. That's the only way you're going to be able to do it. And that's a sad state of affairs. We don't want to drive out all the youth and we don't want to drive out the retirees. we got to find a way to get this whole thing under control. I don't have time to expound on it. I really would love to, but maybe we'll do that tomorrow. Brad Keithley, Chris Dory will be joining us tomorrow. Kelly Nash and uh, Elijah Verhagen on Wednesday. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Be kind, love one another, live well. All right, folks. We appreciate you guys coming on board and joining us, as always. Interesting conversations, good uh, good discussions. That's what we try and bring to the program every day. Uh, we'll see if we can get some more of the Democratic candidates on in the coming week and uh, see what we can come up with. But we're down to it here. What are we, five weeks now, officially, starting tomorrow, five weeks away from Election Day? Best get with the program. Best get with it. All right, my friends, I appreciate you all coming in. We will see you 
tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show